Hi everyone, you're listening to Cinema 5000. I am Mallory, your host here with you to talk about the films I have seen, but seen for a second, third, maybe fourth time, maybe fifth time, sixth, seventh, beyond time. This is the rewatch recap episode where I talk to you about all the films I have watched between January 1st of 2023 and this date of March 31st, 2023. A number of films to talk to you about and whether my opinions have changed on them or if it's all good or maybe it's all bad. Who knows? Uh, let's get things started. Uh, the first film I rewatched was the 2008 film Wally uh, from... Oh, well, actually, from what am I saying? Um, I rewatched it on January first, New Year's Day. I rate it f- five. Excuse me. I rate it five stars. I think Wally is fantastic. I love it so much. I cry every time I watch it. <laughs> um, and it's so beautiful and romantic and such a fun film. And you haven't, if you have not seen it, what are you doing? Uh, Wally, which is now part of the Criterion Collection. I believe that is why I rewatched it because I got the Criterion Collection Blu-ray, Blu-ray which has a number of special features on it that I still haven't checked out, but I absolutely will someday. So Wally, five stars, still worthy of five stars. On January 6th, I rewatched Mary Heron's film, American Psycho, starring Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman. Uh, four stars for me on this. I've seen this so many times. <laughs> it's an easy film to rewatch. Um, I don't remember why I rewatched it, but I was just, maybe I was in the mood. I don't know. It's a satire. It's dark. It's a little disturbing. And I think it's a great film. Uh, back in the day when it first came out in VHS, I was so excited for it. I had heard all the rumors of the story and my sister bought a paperback copy of the book American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. And she's like, don't read the book. It's so disgusting. And I have never read the book, but seen the movie many times. Do enjoy it. Do recommend it if you have not seen American Psycho from 2000 as I said, directed by Mary Heron. Uh, on January 8th, I watched a couple films. I don't know if I was sick or just in like a comfort film mood. Maybe I had like a couple days off. I don't remember. Uh, but I ended up rewatching the film Listen Up, Philip, directed by Alex Ross Perry. Hadn't seen this since it first came out in 2014. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Moss and uh, Jason Schwartzman as well as Jonathan Price, and it's a academic, academically New York kind of minded. It's a different kind of humor, a little uppity, a little, uh, (laughs) a little concerning. Uh, But I I enjoyed this film. I gave it three and a half stars. I might have rated it four stars back in the day, maybe, but I really like this movie. I like its angle. I like the characters as terrible as they can be to each other at times. And it's pretty entertaining. And uh, I do remember when I watched this back in January that some things and like looks and moods about it were just so like of like that time like we're talking about almost a decade like you notice things about fashion and behaviors that as time moves on become you know like passe not not a thing anymore and there were things I noticed about that but uh, listen up Philip directed by Alex Ross Perry gave it three and a half stars. And on the same day, I ended up watching Walking and Talking, directed by Nicole Hall of Center. 
I adore this film. Gave it four stars. It stars the wonderful Catherine Keener, as well as Anna Heche, rest in peace, as two women who are very good friends and are just trying to figure out life and relationships. And it lives up to the title, Walking and Talking. It is one of those talky kind of indie films. It's from 1996. And it has, you know, some recognizable people in it. Specifically, filmmaker Todd Field is in it as the uh, boyfriend of Anne Heche's character, as well as Liev Schreiber. I, uh, I definitely recommend Walking and Talking. It's an indie gem. Then on January 14th, I rewatched The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Somebody I know online was talking about it, and I was like, huh. I remember liking it, but it's probably extremely dated and Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, A lot of it I found very obnoxious and annoying, and that wasn't necessarily to do with Steve Carell. It's more like those side characters who are played by like Romani Malco and Seth, um, what's his name? Seth, Seth, uh, yeah, funny guy, Seth. Wow. Why am I all of a sudden blanking? (laughs) Wow. Uh, that does tell you something about me. Seth, Seth, Seth Rogen, yes, <laughs> does also have Catherine Keener. That was something I, uh, I did remember about it and why I wanted to rewatch it because I was like, oh, Catherine Keener, you know, walking and talking, so great. Uh, also has Paul Rudd, but not so great this time around. I gave it two stars, just not really that entertaining, and some of it felt really flat, and yeah, I said dated definitely dated. On January 17th, I rewatched the film Jennifer's Body from 2009, directed by Karen Kusama. And there's been a long debate about this film between audiences and fans of it, about the marketing of the film and how it didn't get its fair shake. But I wasn't a fan of this movie when it first came out, and I'm still not a fan of it. It tries to tell this tale of like toxic female relationships, and people see that as like, well, you know, you know, she's, she's doing these things because uh, she's a badass. And I just think it just feels kind of flat as a film and its story and its actual mission statement. It just doesn't work. And it doesn't feel extreme enough. And it's a uh, violence and sort of characterization of Jennifer it just feels like she's just not like there's something missing. Like there's some, some other things you could do. And Amanda Seyfried, she's not really bad in the film, but she just feels kind of one no and I, like I said, I'm just not a fan of it. It's just not for me. I know a lot of people out there really like this one, but guys, I, uh, I just think this doesn't, doesn't work at all. So one and a half stars for Jennifer's body. And then I didn't rewatch anything until the very end of January. <laughs> a couple films here. Uh, on January 27th, I rewatched Wim Bender's Wings of Desire. Very romantic and lovely film shot in Germany uh, around the time of Uh, the Berlin Wall being up and right before it fell. And it's just, it's such a, wow, it's such an eye-opening picture in its perspective of just people and living. And it has this story about an angel who falls in love with a human being. And you might think that sounds familiar. Uh, (laughs) The movie City of Angels from the 90s is a remake of it that's translated to American audiences with a different angle and of course Nicolas Cage looking how he does. Uh, But this one stars the late Bruno Ganz and he's really he's really wonderful in this film as the main angel character and there's also Peter Falk who shows up and does some talking and discusses how he knows 
more or less that there are angels around and it's just a, such a beautiful lovely film and it is mostly in black and white it does have some color segments but who cares it's it's wonderful filmmaking i highly highly recommend it on the 28th of january i rewatched legend this is the director's cut i had bought the blu-ray i think in the summer of the <laughs> the Arrow release of Legend, uh, the Ridley Scott film that is from 1985, starring Tom Cruise. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I own this movie twice over. I have the Blu-ray set that has this um, original DVD cut of the theatrical release and then the director's cut. Uh, the difference is that there's some added scenes there and then the score is different. The Tangerine D Dream score is in the original theatrical version. And I believe it's Oh gosh, is it Alan Silvestri or is it somebody else who does the score? Oh, I'm going to have to look this up because it's going to bother me and, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. Jerry Goldsmith. Okay. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith does the score in the director's cut. So it's a little more whimsical of a score and less like 80s dreamy kind of thing. But I like Legend a lot. I know some people really hate this movie, but I love it. It's one of the movies that I, I wish... I just wish like somebody like maybe Peter Jackson would just get like $200 million just to make a remake of it and really flesh out the story and the characters in the world and do it right. Get great actors like maybe, oh gosh, maybe even do a sequel like where Tom Cruise is an evil king, though he would never do that. <laughs> but a uh, legend from Ridley Scott from 1985. I rated three and a half stars. It's not perfect, but I do love love the production design and costuming and its general look it's very dreamy and wonderful and on january 30th i rewatched an unmarried woman the paul mazursky film starring jill clayberg as the titular role <laughs> it's four stars for me i think this movie is a delight it's from 1978 this was around the time when uh, women were really embracing uh, feminism around the time of like the Equal Rights Amendment, like passing in certain states and a woman finding out that she is on her own, despite whatever was going in her life that she thought was working out before. Oh, no, things fall apart. So she embraces herself, her life, and she invests in her happiness. And it's just a joy. I highly, highly recommend the film An Unmarried Woman. I own the Blu-ray from the Criterion Collection. And man, it, what a picture. What a picture. Four stars, as I said. Uh, <laughs> no rewatches again until February 7th when I rewatched the Martha Coolidge film Valley Girl starring Nicolas Cage, of course. Oh, this is such a joy. I love this movie. It's so fun and light. It's not very heavy, and it doesn't let any of the actors overact either. It, it it takes its time in wanting to be a story about teens, and Deborah Foreman is really good opposite Nicolas Cage as well, and he shows up, and you're just like, that's the Nicolas Cage, but it's not the Nicolas Cage we know today. Oh no, not at all, but he's trying to be a smooth guy, because he's fallen for this chick, and he's a punk, and she... She's a valley girl. <laughs> I rate it three and a half stars it's from 1983. Uh, and then going ahead, another romance film I absolutely adore. It's Titanic. I had to see Titanic in theaters again when it got re-released right before, um, right before Valentine's Day, of course. <laughs> I have seen Titanic in the theater since its original release. Uh, this is the second time I've seen it in the theater since it first came out. And when it first came out in the theater, I saw it twice in the theater. Because I was a teenage girl, you know. Uh, and I saw it 
many, many times on video and DVD and seeing it in the theater in 3D. I saw it in D-Box. Um, just as wonderful. Just as great. Just as fun. It's just timeless. I love it. It is a perfect movie. There's nothing you'd change about Titanic. And if you think there's things about Titanic you would change, you're wrong. <laughs> of course, Titanic from 1997, directed by James Cameron, King of the World, <laughs> rated it five stars. On the same day, I did actually watch a couple more movies. I watched Love, Liza, which I hadn't seen since it first came out on DVD, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, directed by Todd Luizzo. And it's about a man who unfortunately, I know I haven't been doing some summaries, but let me give you the summary of this. This, uh, Just a slight trigger warning. There's a discussion here about um, issues, personal issues people have. Uh, following the unexplained suicide of his wife, Liza, website designer Wilson Joel turns to huffing gasoline fumes and remote control gaming while avoiding an inevitable conflict with his mother-in-law. This is a really tough movie to watch in some ways because Philip Seymour Hoffman is like the embodiment of depression. Like he just looks like he has gone through the worst thing imaginable and he does it he just looks that way at you at the in his life and he just looks so sad and you just want to give him a hug and he says so much without saying anything at all I think it's one of his best performances and he's my favorite actor of all time like man the guy is just he's he's brilliant and it's so sad he's gone um, but Love, Liza. I do recommend it, though. It is a heavy watch. Um, there's some the, there's some moments in it that are a little troubling. And it's not for kids, of course. It's, it's rated R. But I do recommend it. Love, Liza from 2002. And that same night, I'm not saying I watched this as a palate cleanser, but I had recently picked up the DVD for Sleepless in Seattle directed by Nora Ephron. And I felt like watching it again. And yeah, there's some moments that uh, you get in romantic films where people do things that are just kind of a little sketchy and like, why would you do that? Um, <laughs> to sort of force the notion of getting together with a romantic person, a romantic partner who uh, maybe uh, is like, you know, you're you're getting together for motivations of things that aren't practical. <laughs> Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, I mean, are really good together and they don't actually get together until the end of the film. Of course, if you've seen it before, if you haven't, um, just watch it. I'm just going to say that because I think it's a very charming film. It's, it's nicely shot. It has a certain feel to it. That's a little cold. And, um, how shall I say it? I mean, like the film is shot in Seattle, like mostly at night. There's hardly any daytime scenes in Seattle. And then when we are following Meg Ryan's character, it's a lot of interiors. And then when these two people get together, they get together in, um, okay, this is a spoiler. <laughs> they get together in New York City and they sort of come together like out of their shells. And it's really lovely and it's fun. And I've been a fan of this movie since I was a little kid. I definitely understand it a little more now that I'm an adult. <laughs> but this was one of those movies that my parents were like, oh yeah, it's PG. You can watch it. So we'll just keep the VHS for another night from the video store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of movies like that when I was a kid. It's PG. You can watch it. Whatever. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle from 1993. Gave it three and a half stars. Uh, on the 15th of February, I rewatched The Woman King, directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, starring Viola Davis. I do believe I watched this because I was a little heartbroken. It didn't get nominated for any Oscars. Or maybe this was right before. No, this was no, this was definitely after the Oscar nominations. And I was, I was like, oh, how terrible. 
not nominated, uh, definitely deserved a nomination, I think, for at least costume design. Um, the supporting performance by, what's her name? I'm going to look it up. She's really fantastic in this. Um, man, Lashana Lynch. Oh, man, she's really good in this. Like, she has one of those characters that when she shows up, you know something's going to happen, and she has a very good presence. And Viola Davis, yeah, I think she was snubbed her best, best actress. It's not her best role, but it's a good film. I definitely do recommend The Woman King from 2022, directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. Gave it three and a half stars, just like I did the first time I saw it. And on the 22nd, I ended up rewatching the 1966 film A Man and a Woman, directed by Claude Lelouch. Uh, I'll redo the summary in case you don't know about this, and I also want to press that this is not really available in many places. I don't think it's on streaming anywhere, not even for rent. Uh, the tagline is, <laughs> see it with someone you love. A man and a woman meet by accident on a Sunday evening at their children's boarding school. Slowly, they reveal themselves to each other, finding that each is a widow. Uh, the stuff about being a widow isn't like a huge part of it, but it's just watching these two people slowly fall in love and it's, it's beautiful, nice heat. Uh, it's not graphic or anything like that. It's just, you know, tension, uh, very akin to In the Mood for Love, though a very different story. It stars Anouk Emmy and Jean-Louis Trichinant, and, uh, I do, I do recommend it. A Man and a Woman. If you can find it, you should watch it from 1966, directed by Claude Liloch. And, uh, yeah, I rewatched that cause I own the, I own the DVD and, uh, it's good enough to own in my opinion. Uh, going ahead. Wow. didn't watch anything again until March 3rd when I rewatched the film Moonlight directed by Barry Jenkins from 2016, five stars across the board. Great film. Do you remember Moonlight? <laughs> it's the one that actually won best picture. <laughs> um, I love it. It's just such a wonderful film. It feels just as fresh now watching it again that as it did back when I saw it for the first time in the theater. And I haven't seen it. I, I want to say I haven't seen it since 2017, 2018, but it just, yeah, what a great film. I highly, highly recommend Moonlight directed by Barry Jenkins. And just to note, Barry Jenkins's first film, Medicine for Melancholy is coming to the Criterion Collection later this year, and I definitely do recommend that film as something to watch yourself if you're a fan of Moonlight. Uh, on March 18th, I rewatched the film Only You, directed by Norman Jewison, starring Marissa Tomei and uh, what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. Why am I blanking on that? It's because I haven't brought up the page. Oh my gosh, this is the last movie I rewatched. Wow, not a lot this time, uh, for this episode at least, but I'll just give you the summary so we can have something to talk about. A love story written in the stars. A childhood incident has convinced Faith Corvatch that her true love is a guy named Damon Bradley, but she has yet to meet him. Preparing to settle down and marry a foot doctor, Faith impulsively flies to Venice when it seems that she may be up to finally encounter the man of her dreams. Instead, she meets charming Peter Wright, but can they fall in love if she still believes that she's intended to be with someone else? So I've seen this. I I watched this actually, I want to say last April in 2022. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, watch this again. It's just really fun and good. And 
Uh, definitely would make a good double feature with Sleepless in Seattle. They both came out within a year of each other. Sleepless in Seattle, 93. This one, 94. Just whimsy and a little bit of, you know, romance. Nothing too serious, but people sort of questioning fate and just things in life and signals. <laughs> uh, I both think they're a lot of fun. I gave this three and a half stars out of five, just like I did for Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, really fun. Uh, yeah, Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. have great chemistry together, and Marissa Tomei is so delightful as this woman. Um, also want to know it has Bonnie Hunt. Now when Bonnie Hunt is in a movie, Bonnie Hunt is there to say the lines and nail it. And I always love her in movies. Um, she did a movie years and years ago. I do want to recommend. I actually tried to rewatch this, um, a while ago, but didn't finish it. Like I felt, I think I fell asleep, but she, um, did she direct this? Yeah, the movie Return to Me from 2000, uh, starring David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. I would recommend, man, if you did a triple feature of Return to Me, Only You, and Sleepless in Seattle, wonderful romances, just great. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so Only You is the last film I rewatched. Wow, I guess that's it. I, I was sure I rewatched more than that. Or maybe I just saw like partial of things on TV or something. I don't know. Um, but that's it for the episode. I do apologize. It's been a little difficult for me to like get my stuff together to do a regular episode. And I know I mentioned a couple times that I was going to do like an anniversary episode to sort of celebrate one year of the podcast. But stuff has just not been coming through together. Like for me, and it happens, you know, creativity, you can't force it. <laughs> it either happens or it doesn't. Um, but I, I have that episode planned and then I'll have like a regular episode with like a lot of movies to update you on. I just, I, yeah, things haven't worked out. And part of things not working out is that I was sick for a little bit. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling great and I had like pain in my throat and it wasn't like a sore throat, but I got some kind of viral thing. I w it wasn't anything serious, but it was just enough that I didn't feel confident that I could record an episode as I record it just straight and have it sound great. But uh, yeah, when that next episode comes out, it, whether it's just the general conversation thing or it is the actual anniversary episode, which as, as I said, I have, I have promised. Um, <laughs> I, I do apologize that it's taken so long, but I just feel like with my podcast, because I do it myself, um, if I'm ready to do it, I'm ready to do it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you can follow along on the Twitter or Instagram and get any updates about what's going on. And you can follow at the handle cinema 5k on both Twitter and Instagram. And you may notice that I also noted that I had seen the movie paint new movie paint, uh, which is coming to theaters on April 7th. So I'm really, really hoping, fingers crossed, <laughs> I have a review up for that, like around the time of that's released, not let it go by the wayside. We'll see, but I'll just give you a quick hint about how I felt about paint. Uh, I enjoyed it. So that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but I'm Mallory. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This has been the recap, rewatch recap episode where I just talk about movies I have seen before and how I feel about them on that second, third, fourth, whatever viewing. And I will talk to you again, what I see in the next episode. Thanks. Bye.